0: us in this place. Lord, you were with us every single day of the last 365. With our highs, our joys, our celebrations, and in our lows and our rock bottoms, you were with us even when we felt so lonely and desperate, you were there. And Lord, every time we made a mistake, every time we sinned against you and others, you picked us up, you forgave us, your blood washed over us. Lord, I don't know where everyone has come from this morning or where they are at, where they're watching online this morning, but you do. And My prayer this morning is that you would meet us where we're at, that you love us so, so much, like a hurricane, and that you're so jealous for us that you could not just leave us to the affections of the world, but you came down to earth for us because you loved us. So this morning, let us feel that love. And let us respond. Lord, we love you and we worship you this morning. Amen. And please have a seat. Thank you, Rebecca and Jeff. It is great to start off the year with worship, isn't it? Um, Thank you all for being here today. And uh, anybody stay up till midnight last night. A few of you, way to go, I'll give you, thanks for being here, I appreciate that. I did not stay up to midnight, but I, I don't know if getting up at 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock for a baby counts, but uh, that was my contribution for sleeplessness uh, last night. Um, but it is great to gather, and one of the first things we do to start off this year is to worship together, to hear the word of the Lord together, to be the body of Christ together. This is the new year, so happy new year. And this is a time normally, that a normal time of re- reflection, of looking back. And um, it, a lot of last week was spent on looking back on the last 365 days. If you're on social media, you'll see seen different uh, TikToks and, and all sorts of things, Instagrams about all your, your past years, right? What's, what's going on, the highs and the lows. This is a time of dreaming and hoping. Of moving beyond the past, whether good or bad, and looking toward the future and saying, I just can't wait for 2023. I hope it's better than last year. I I hope there are big things in store. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. It's also a time of resolutions. uh, Of making resolutions, of breaking resolutions, right? I find it interesting that at this time of year... as we're kind of starting fresh, right? We kind of see this as a fresh start. We tend to look at our history and we say, I want things to be different in this new year. That there are things that weren't right in 2022, and therefore I want to make things better in 2023. Right? Isn't that the purpose of a resolution? Because something wasn't as, as good as it could be, or something was wrong and broken, and we want to make something, we want to make that better. So I'm going to, whether, whether that's, you know, the most common one is eating right, right, and getting into shape. So I know that in 2022, my diet was not good. So therefore, I'm going to resolve to change that, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. we'll see how long this lasts for me, right? But I, I am one who's like, you know, I can't wait. A new Year's I'm going to start, and I'm going to, I'm going to get back at it and eating healthy, Right. And that's kind of what resolutions do. They're actually an an acknowledgement that something wasn't right and we needed to get something better. Well, we are still in the Christmas season here in the church. The world says it's done and it's over with. But for the church, really, we are now just continuing on the celebration of a God who loved us so much that he came down from heaven to be with us. Not just to be with us, but to come and see what was broken and what was wrong and what needed to be fixed, what could be better, and said, I'm going to come and I will be the one to get you there. I am the Messiah, the Savior. And so we celebrate. In fact, we celebrate typically till January 6th or January 8th, depending on your church tradition, where it's called Epiphany or Theophany, where we celebrate God coming in as man. And part of that celebration is looking at the story of the wise men. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take a look at the wise men as they came to acknowledge Jesus bearing gifts. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would be on me today that you would move through me, that any words that I say that are of me would fall under the the ground, but your words, your truth would come out and you would penetrate the hearts of your people, you would penetrate the hearts of of those who don't know you yet, who need a Messiah, who need a Savior. Lord be with us this morning. Amen. Amen. If you brought your Bibles or you want to pull up a Bible on your phone, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, if you would like to follow along. Um, And this is the, the famous story of the wise man coming to visit Jesus. And it says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. A very famous story, a very familiar story, if um, you you know the Christmas nativity story. And if you have any nativities in your house or you see them in people's yards, most likely you will see the three wise men with them, right? I, I, we have a couple of nativities. I love nativity sets. And yes, ours have the wise men there, and, and that's great. Um, and my purpose this morning is not to tear down any church traditions. I just want to let you know. But at the same time, the church traditions point us to, this is a real story with real people where God showed up and people came to worship. In fact, there's been a lot of research on these wise men. And uh, we assume, um, church tradition assumes that there are three wise men, mainly because there's three gifts presented, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, In fact, the the Catholic Church has uh, named them in their traditions, Casper, Melchior, and Balthazar, one from Persia, one from India, and one from Arabia. But in reality, we just don't know how many there were. Some traditions and scholars say three, some say uh, 12, some say even as many as 60 that came and gathered around Jesus. And really, it doesn't matter how many there were, it does point to the fact that this was a real story, a real event, real people who traveled many miles to see a baby. we well, are not even quite sure where the Magi come from. It could be, church tradition says, in the Persia-Babylonian area. Recent research has come out to say that maybe they're actually from Nab- the Nabataeans, which are, um, if you've ever been to Petra, I've, I've gotten the, the joy of going to Petra, um, where the Nabataeans lived, and that's really modern-day Jordan. So not, they're from the east, but not all that far east. But they would be linked to the um, Israelite tradition there. They might be people who would be looking for uh, a Jewish savior. In fact, frankincense and myrrh are spices that actually come out of Arabia, not the Far East. So it's possible that that's where they came from. Um, Isaiah has a prophecy that talks about the, the king's coming and presenting gifts and frankincense and gold. And uh, the Nabataeans are, are part of that. Again, finding out who they really were, and and I love that kind of research because this is a true story. At the same time, it doesn't matter what the exact numbers were, where they exactly came from, but what matters is you had people who were outsiders coming in to see Jesus. So in this story, you have the wise men, you have King Herod, and you have the Israelites. Now, I'll get back to the wise men in just a second, but let's look at King Herod. This is King Herod the Great. There are a lot of Herods in the New Testament. This is King Herod the Great, and he was notorious for being cruel. He was a very cruel leader and he was very um, afraid. He was very uh, fearful. He, in fact, that fear ruled him in many ways. He executed many members of his own family because he was afraid that they were going to try to take his throne. He had a reputation of being harsh and being cruel. And this king was power hungry. But like any bully, he was really just scared. He was called the king of the Jews. But he really wasn't. In fact, he wasn't even a Jew. He was set up by the Roman Empire to be king over this area. And so the wise men came and they visited him. Now, you could ask, why did the wise men go and actually go to King Herod? Well, part of that would be because we're dealing with real people coming from people living in their own countries, coming into a new country, and they're seeking a new king. And it's kind of protocol that you go talk to the current rulers of that area, right? So as they came forth and they um, came to Israel and Jerusalem, um, they're trying to figure out where is this new king going to be born? And so he goes to the king of the Jews expecting this king to know, and he didn't know. And it said that King Herod was troubled at this news. Someone who who would kill his own family members if they would try to unseat his kingship. Now this people are searching for this new king of the Jews. And so, being sly as he was, he brought together the leaders of Israel and said, All right, where is this Messiah? Where is this new king supposed to be born? And quickly, immediately, the Jewish leaders would have known the prophecies. Like, oh, yeah, the the king's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's where he is. That's where you can find him. So, King Herod goes and. Meets with the wise man and said, hey, if, if he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Go search out and, if, and search carefully. You know, make sure you find him. And when you find him, can you just come back and tell me? Because I want to go worship him. And we all know that that wasn't his goal, right? And we don't know exactly when this, the, the wise man came. Um, our nativity sets are great because they have them there like it all happened at once. That's, that's not quite how it happened. Um, We know within two years of Jesus' birth is probably when they came and and, uh, met Jesus. And the reason why we can know this is because Herod, being outsmarted by God and the wise men when they left by a different way and didn't go back to them, Herod then went and had all boys, two years old and younger, killed. So... To be safe, my guess is he even bumped that time frame up. Like, I want to make sure that none of these could be the new king of the Jews, right? We're just going to get rid of the problem. So somewhere within that time period, the wise men came, went to King Herod, and then went on to Bethlehem. So that's King Herod in the story. Someone who wanted to be in power. Someone who wanted to be in control, but someone was so afraid of losing that control and that power. And then we move on to the Israelites. What's fascinating in the story to me is in verse 3 when I read it said, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. You would have thought if all of Jerusalem who are under oppression from this king who is cruel under the oppression of Rome, would want to get out of that and to hear the news of the Messiah was here, born We've seen the star, you would think they would have rejoiced and been glad and been happy and that they would have gone to Bethlehem, right? But instead they were troubled. I've got a couple theories on why they were troubled. The first one is they were afraid of Herod. They're afraid of this cruel king who has has made a reputation of himself of killing anybody who who, is wanting to um, disturb his reign. So the the leaders and the priests and everything, if they were to come out and and say, yes, the Messiah is here, let's all go and, and find him afraid of what Herod might do. And then the second reason why I think that they were uncomfortable, and this might be the main reason, is perhaps they had gotten comfortable. They had gotten used to their situation. They had gotten used to the chains of oppression that had been put around them. And it just didn't quite seem so bad anymore. And yes, we could go possibly see this king, but we're not even sure if he's here. And if to do so, that could just upset everything. And even though this is an ideal, we've gotten used to it, we've gotten comfortable with it, and we kind of just like it here. And you know, I think this is a common human experience. We tend to, to get comfortable in situations that aren't good, aren't healthy, but we get used to it and usually that's because it's just a slow process. I mean, it, I don't know about you, but it takes me a while to finally stop and say, you know what, I got to stop eating the way I'm eating. It's not after one thing that's bad. It's after a lot of things that are bad where it slowly builds up and, and for a while I'm just comfortable living there. Have you ever been in a room it, it, you're just with natural daylight and you're, you're reading or you're writing or you're doing some work and as the sun goes down it gets darker and darker in there and you don't even realize how dark the room has gotten until someone comes in and says, hey, do you want any light in here? And they flip on the lights and you're like, oh, that's bright, Right? Because you've gotten used to your situation. You've gotten comfortable with it. Well, perhaps this is where the Israelites were at, where they had gotten comfortable with their situation. Things didn't seem so bad anymore. The darkness didn't seem so so dark. The dirt that they were in didn't seem so dirty. And it's almost like they made a deal with the devil and they didn't even realize it. And friends, Bethlehem was only five miles away. Only five miles away. you would think that the Jewish leaders would be the first to go find Jesus. When these astronomers and astrologers, these wise men come and say, "Hey, we've seen the sign in the sky. We know the king is born. Where is he?" You would think that they would have been like the first ones to go. But here's the thing: the Jewish people would have also seen the scar. They would have also seen the signs, but they had chosen not to go. And when the wise men came, they chose to stay home while the wise men, these outsiders, went to to go find the Messiah. So you have King Herod, you have the Israelites, and you have the wise men. Now, the wise men were outsiders. They were Gentiles. They would have been considered unclean. They would have not been allowed to go and worship in the temple. Yet, they're the first people that the Bible recorded came and worshipped Jesus. The shepherds came and looked at Jesus and they looked to see what the angels told them was true, but it didn't say that they worshipped Jesus. The first people to worship him were these outsiders. And it's interesting that everywhere else in Scripture, when you hear the, or read the term magi or wise people or sorcerers, it's always talked about in a negative context. But this is the only time where it is in a good context because here these people who believed in other things saw the sign and they came and said, we, we've heard about this prophecy about a new king, about a Messiah who's going to make the world right. And here's the thing, the wise men, this is what I love about the wise the wise men knew that they were broken. That's why they were longing for a Messiah, for a new king. They lived in countries where the kings weren't good and they knew they needed a new king. They knew the world wasn't right. They knew they themselves weren't right and they were longing for a Messiah, for a Savior so much that they left everything and they traveled thousands of miles to find an infant baby who can't even wear a crown. The wise men understood their situation. And because of that, they went to find the King these outsiders, these unclean people, these Gentiles, they came and they were the first ones to offer worship at Jesus' bedside. Yes, they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh and you could do some wonderful studies on the meaning of these gold, this precious metal, metal that uh, a gift for royalty symbolizing Jesus' kingship Frankincense, which is used in, uh, the Jewish people would use that in the incense, in offering and the sacrifices. Uh, something the high priest would use. Acknowledging Jesus' spiritual authority in his divinity. And then myrrh, which is used in anointing oil for the Israelites and in burial spices. Acknowledging Jesus' humanity and his mortality foreshadowing the death that was to come. They brought what they had. If these wise men were from Nabatea, really, they brought what they had, what their country produced. They said, this is what we have to offer. This is what we're going to take. These seem like they might be fit for a king. I wonder if God... While those gifts were good, I wonder if God liked the best, uh, like the first gift, and that was just the gift of worship. That these wise men came and offered the gift of worship to their king. I have to be honest with you, the idea of worshiping a king, of bringing tribute to a king, which is what you do if you were coming to, to meet a king, to just talk with a king, you would always bring tribute. That is so foreign to us. In America, so foreign. We've never had a king. We've, we've never had someone to rule over us like that. And then when we hear of the dictators and the, the monarchies and everything, and almost all of them are bad, right? We're like, why would I want to go and worship and honor someone like that? It is so hard for us to understand that there is a king out there that is truly worthy of all the tribute that we can bring. Of all the worship that we can offer. But that was the hope in this baby. That was what led these three kings, or how many ever there were, to find Jesus in a hope of a king that was a true, righteous, worthy king who put his people first. A God who comes down to our level to bring us back up. Who are you worshiping? As we start this new year, I want to really um, give you a couple questions to help launch your new year and maybe even a, a slight challenge. But who are you worshiping? What kings in your life are you worshiping? Are you offering tribute to? And yes, it might not be gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it might be your time, your money, your resources, Who are you worshiping? And who or whatever you are worshiping, are they worth the worship? Are they worth it? New Year's and the New Year's Day, New Year's is a time for new resolutions. Again, a time for hopes and dreams where we acknowledge that we need to change some things. We need to cast off bad habits. We need to change the direction of our life. Uh, Whatever direction it is heading, we know it's not heading in the right direction. And we need to change and we need to find a king who is true, who is good all the time. All the time he is good, right? Thank you. Right? We need to find a king who is good all the time, right? A king who is not out for himself but out for us. A king who is so full of mercy that when we betray him, he takes our place and takes our punishment. Friends, as Christians, this is the king that we serve. This is the king that we love and we love him because he first loved us. So as you start the new year, are you going to change anything? What needs to be changed? You know, a lot of the resolutions that we make have to do with the symptoms, but not the heart of the problem. Deal with the symptoms, but not the heart of the problem. I can tell you who can change the heart of the problem, who can heal it, who can fix it, who can forgive it, and that is Jesus. So let me ask you this question. Who are you in this story? Who are you in this story? And when you read scripture, this is just a kind of a, another good way to, to read it, and that is to, to figure out in this story, who are the characters and who might I relate to in this? So in this story, you have King Herod, you have the Israelites, you have the wise men, and who are you? If you're going to be honest with yourself, who would you be? Do you relate more to King Herod? The great, the cruel, it's easy to say, well, no, no, I haven't executed any members of my family lately. That's not me, right? But are you someone who longs to be in control? And the idea of Jesus as savior is good, but the idea of Jesus as king, you just, you can't go there. Are you someone who is ruled by Fear? And you might have an outward appearance that things are okay and whatnot, but it really is fear that has gripped you, that is driving you. And you can't, you can't begin to think about giving up control to this baby, right? To this Jesus, to this Messiah. Are you Herod in the story? Are you perhaps the, like the Israelites? where you've grown comfortable in your situation. You've made arrangements and deals with your own sin. And don't we do that? Like, all right, I'm only going to sin this much sin. I'm going to leave you right in here. You don't go anywhere else in my life, just right here. I'll indulge you here, and I'll be able to go and, and try to live right over here. But that's never the way it ends up and works out, Right? But we try to make deals with our sin, deals with our brokenness. And we tend to want to stay with what we know, even though it's bad, than to take a leap of faith to go with what we don't know this Jesus who might offer us hope and life and joy. Are you like the Israelites who hid behind their religion? thinking that we're close enough. I mean, we're close. He's, he's just five miles away. We're close enough. I don't need to get that close to God. I just, Right here is fine where I'm at. I'll, I'll go to the synagogue. I'll, I'll worship. I'll do that. I'll look good. I don't actually have to get close to Jesus because if I do that, I know things might have to change. I can't be comfortable in my situation anymore. A lot of you might have struggled in this past year saying, I don't know why I can't have a a, a real relationship with Jesus. I've been trying and it doesn't seem like I I just have that real connection. And perhaps, just perhaps, maybe it's because we live in a world where we put up fronts for other people. Whether that's a social media front where this is how I appear on social media. This is how I'm going to present myself over here. It's not my real self. It's just a shell of myself. It's just a mask. And if you're not on social media, don't worry. We do it in church, right? This is how I look on Sunday morning. You've got the, the family rule in the car. You drive, as soon as you pull in church parking lot, no more yelling, right? Put a smile on your face. We all look good. And we go in and everything's good, right? And we kind of do the same thing in our own life when we're, we're talking to God and praying to God. We, we use good, good language and we're, we're, you know, just putting this front on as if, we're praying as if God does, does not know what happened 364 days ago? As if God does not know what my thoughts were just a few moments ago. And we put on a front and we pray to God like he's five miles away. Are you like the Israelites? Or are you like the wise men? Are you like the wise men who are outsiders? Gentiles, unclean, unfit to go into a church and worship, broken. They knew that the answers of this world didn't actually give them the answers to their life. And so they're willing to walk away from everything to look for a Savior. They knew they needed a Savior that the things, the way that the, the world had been living the way they had been living was not good enough and they had to leave and go and find hope. They had to go find joy, find forgiveness, find peace, find a king who was true and righteous. So they went and they sought after the Messiah, the king. If you are finding yourself in that place like the wise men where you, you can acknowledge that I am broken. I need a savior. I need a king. And yes, I, maybe you're at the place where you've never said yes to Jesus. Now is the time, I encourage you, now is the time to come to the king. To put your hope and faith in him and trust and just take a, take a chance. Say, Jesus, I've tried everything else. I, it's not worked. I'm going to try you. Here's my worship. And maybe some of you, you've done that before. But as you've lived your life, you've become more like the Israelites, where Jesus is now just kind of five miles away. He's close. But maybe you need to be, once again, like the wise men to go and seek after him. In Matthew 7 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you go seeking like the wise men, you will find. You will find. I don't know about you, but for me, especially over the last couple, of, couple of months, I feel like, Jesus has been that five miles away. I know all the right things. I've I've done all the right things. I'm here at church, whatnot, but I just don't feel close to him. I don't feel alive in him. And it's because I kind of kept him at that distance. Friends, if you are in that place, I encourage you to join me and that we go. And I'll tell you that my resolutions, if you want to call them that, it's really, it's me looking into myself and realizing that my walk with Jesus needs to change. And so I want to start with worship. I want to seek God in authentic prayer on a regular basis. I want to get into the Bible. Yes, I know it's hard work to read scripture. I know it's hard work to carve out time to say, God, I'm going to give you this every morning or every afternoon, whatever it is. I know that's hard work, but guess what? That are offerings of worship. The wise men didn't have it easy to journey that way. Not only was the journey difficult, but then there were people out to get them. If you read on the story with Herod, coming to Jesus isn't easy. But it's where you will find true joy. I love where it says where that when the wise men saw the star again and they found Jesus, they were filled with joy. It's not like they got to Jesus and said, "All right, good, this is over with; we can go back now." Right? Isn't isn't that our attitude about Christmas? For a lot of us, right? Whoo, Christmas is done. I've had a, I mean, I had three Christmases in three days. Whoo, glad that's over with. I can go back to being normal. Let's take down the lights, take down the trees, right? The wise men saw Jesus and said, they were filled with joy. Filled with joy and they worshipped. Friends, family, brothers and sisters in Christ, even those who might not be part of Calvary and are watching online who are here, let's all gather at, at Jesus' feet today. And let us begin this year, in a year with worship, offering up ourselves to the true king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Let us pray. Lord, we lift our hearts up to you, and we pray that you would fill them, that you would actually help us to, to find you and help us to worship you this morning. Lord, we admit that we are broken and fallen. We admit that there are times in our lives where we are ruled by fear like Herod or that we have kept you at a distance hiding behind our religion and our, um, just our, our, our masks that we put out there. And Lord, we also admit that it can be scary to go to find you. But Lord, we come and we bring what we have, trusting that as we seek, we will find you we praise your name. Please accept our worship this morning. Amen.